Today on CityCast Las Vegas, we're talking about venturing to the best outdoor spots around the valley to view the night sky. Co-host David Figler chats it up with David Blanchett from the Las Vegas Astronomical Society. They talk about the biology of the human eye, why the stars are more twinkly in the desert, and how new kinds of streetlights could help keep the stars visible at Red Rock. It's Tuesday, March 14th. I'm Vogue Robinson, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Las Vegas is obviously a super bright place, apparently one of the few places on Earth that could be seen from space. So big question, is our valley a terrible place to stargaze? Like every place else on the planet, it depends on how much light there is. Yes, down on the strip in Las Vegas, you can see the moon, maybe a couple of planets, and that's it. But if you get out of town, it very quickly becomes dark enough to have a very nice look at the sky. Now, I've heard it being called a light dome. Is that a official expression of what Las Vegas is? It is because when you get out into the dark, it looks like a dome of light. It mainly depends on the the relative humidity. Out here in the desert, when it's nice and dry, 3 or 5% humidity, if I go out to Amargosa Valley and look back on Las Vegas, it's truly a light dome. It's, hmm. it's a round shape and it cuts off very sharply. But if the humidity is up 15, 20%, there's no longer a dome. It's a very bright area, but it traverses the sky. It spreads across the sky to the other horizon. I was curious about how climate affects seeing the stars. It sounds to me like more humidity makes night sky viewing worse. Is that the only climate factor? That's not the only one. You live in the desert. You've driven down the freeway. When it gets warm, you look at the highway and you see the shimmering on the highway. Sometimes looks like a pool of water ahead of you. Mm -hmm. That's the heat distortion of the atmosphere. And that's what we uh, we astronomers call the seeing. It's what makes the stars twinkle. And so in the oh. desert, you get the sunlight heats up the desert all day. Sun goes down. All that heat has to go somewhere, and it goes up. And so for the first four or five hours after a hot day, the evening, the, the atmosphere is not real steady. And that can affect your viewing, especially if you're trying to do uh, astrophotography. So are the stars more twinkly in the Mojave Desert out here because of our heat? That's a big portion of it, yes. You've also got the Sierra Nevada mountains over there to the west. And as air moves in from the Pacific and across those, it becomes turbulent and streaks out across our sky. There are some days when it's almost a laminar flow, so it's very smooth. But then other days where it's just very, very bumpy. Hmm. So I guess I want you to spill some secrets, David. Where, where are the best spots as close to Las Vegas as possible to see the stars? I mean, give me your, give me your secret spots. <laughs> it's time. It's time. More or less a, a general rule that if you go an hour in almost any direction and pull off the road, you will have a dark enough sky to see the Milky Way. 
I've actually found going north and west a little better than headed south. Valley of Fire does work. It's it's far enough north. But you, you have to kind of get farther north, like Cathedral Gorge, Pioch area, to, to get some of the uh, darker skies. Mm-hmm. What I have done personally over the last few years is use Google Maps in the aerial view mode and look along the highways for these dirt roads that head off into the into the wilderness. Got it. And you also mentioned Cathedral Gorge is a good place to see the stars. What makes it so? It's far away from most lights. Pioche is, is actually quite dim. It's a nice, nice little campground. They've even built an astronomy observing pad. Oh, very and they, cool. They are they are very friendly to us. We're we're up there twice a year. They put red cellophane over lights they can't turn off and try to make it as dark as possible. How, how does red cellophane help with stargazing? Well, your your eyes are less sensitive to red light than to green and yellow and blue. It takes you fifteen to twenty minutes to become truly dark adapted, and even right. a flash of of white light can ruin your vision for. 10, 15 minutes. Tell me more about dark adaptive vision, how that works. Well, what I've come to understand is obviously the iris in your eye opens bigger when you're in the dark, so you're getting as much light coming in as possible. But my understanding is your eye actually will generate some proteins that help your eyes deal with the light that it does get. The problem is those proteins are broken down by higher frequency light like green or yellow or blue, but they are not broken down by red light. So a, a bright red light can be glaring and can temporarily blind you somewhat because it is so bright. But once it goes away, it doesn't really leave an afterimage and it doesn't affect your your dark adaptation. Oh, our tricky little organic cameras. <laughs> they operate yep. in such funky ways. Hey, it's David Figler, and one of my favorite food festivals is coming back to town. It's Vegas Unstripped over at the Palms Hotel on Saturday, May 18th. Over two dozen chefs from some of Las Vegas' most talked-about restaurants creating original, unique menu items they've never made before. Chef creativity at its best. We're talking chefs from Partage, Esther's Kitchen, Milpa, EDO, and more, including this year's James Beard Award finalist Steve Kessler from Aroma. Tickets are $150 and are all inclusive of food and drink, so you don't have to pay for anything once you're inside. No hidden up charges. I went last year and it was so crowded in the best possible way. We got one remarkable dish after another, and while it was a little indulgent, here's the best part the net proceeds go to local charities. So head on over to VegasUnstripped.com to get your tickets now. We'll see you there. David, is there is there a best time of the year to look up at the heavens and get a good show? For the Las Vegas area, it's it's more of what time of year is the best weather. The biggest problem we have here is the summer monsoon, July to September, when you start getting the pop-up thunderstorms coming off the mountains. So it's, it becomes very unpredictable. 
Um, even though the forecast can say it's clear and sunny, uh, a thunderstorm can build up on a mountain in the in the course of a half an hour and come sneaking up on you and, and cause wind and rain to be a problem. Yeah. And you never know with those sneaky winds. They always come up when uh, I, I least expect it. I'm sure that there's plenty of people who watch it who know it's coming. But um, are there any night sky attractions that people in Las Vegas might have to look forward to in the coming months? Uh, coming months, uh, planet Venus has become a an evening star. You'll see it in the West. It's the brightest star in the West. And it will, over the next few months, rise higher and higher in the sky, setting later and later each night, for instance, and becoming more of a uh, crescent shape through the telescope. Very pretty to look at. Next up from Venus currently is Jupiter, and centered in the south as it gets dark is the constellation of Orion, which almost everybody on the planet can recognize when they go out and look. Cool. Well, let's switch gears for uh, a minute here. We, we know there's a lot of development out at Red Rock. It's somewhat controversial. Mm -hmm. But I I wonder from the stargazing perspective, are you concerned about light pollution from those developments making stargazing out at Red Rock uh, maybe worse? It, it very likely will because that development is closer to Red Rock than the actual city of Las Vegas, Vegas will always be the much brighter thing. But when you think of typical suburban lighting, to put that that close to Red Rock can definitely make an impact. And it won't be just a light dome over there. It will tend to wash out a lot of the sky. Do you know if any of your fellow stargazers have made that clear to the, I guess, county commissioners as they consider allowing more and more development out there? We have had people actually speak at some of the, the meetings. My understanding, last I had heard, things had been approved. I'm hoping that there will still be some input as to what the lighting situation will be. If they can use some of the newer flat panel street lighting, that will definitely help. But uh, it's just really hard to convince people sometimes that th this really makes as much impact as as we think it does. I'd like to see them look at places like Flagstaff and Phoenix, Arizona, Tucson, Arizona, and some of the ordinances they have in place for trying to control uh, controlling lighting, having light go where it needs to be and nowhere else. Which we probably call light pollution from just sort of the lay perspective, yes. just put too much light out there, which always to me is the obvious irony is that a lot of people want to go out into nowhere to be able to enjoy things like the night sky. But those same people are like, yeah, it would be great. We could just build uh, houses out here and have communities. <laughs> and then, of course, it all immediately um, gets impacted. Well, we, we have that problem with going to campgrounds because people go there, they put up their Coleman lantern and blast out light everywhere and not just on their table where where they're playing gin rummy or something. They've still got that Coleman lantern blazing away. Now, you mentioned a couple of things, uh, flat panel lighting. How would that help mm -hmm. out? Well, a lot of the lighting that still exists today were a lot of the, the mercury arc lamps or the sodium, high pressure sodium. And they, they were a bulb-shaped light bulb and sent light sideways, not just down. 
the mm. newer flat panel lighting is simply that. It is a flat panel, and the light only goes downward. And so when it's there's very little reflection off of, say, the asphalt or grass. When you have the bulb-shaped thing, it went sideways quite a bit, and that gets up into the atmosphere. You mentioned Tucson, uh, which is my old alma mater area, and I love that area so much, and Flagstaff. Uh, Are they doing flat panel lighting, and what else are they doing that you'd like Las Vegas to emulate? I don't know exactly what they're doing there, but I've I've heard things like even putting a a floodlight for your backyard or lighting up your house. I believe they have ordinances that you have to have a little cover over the top of, say, a a bare floodlight that will reflect the light down into your yard rather than letting it go up and out out of your yard. It's it's those little things. A simple, you know, 60, 75 watt floodlight doesn't seem like much, but when you've got 100,000 residents, that (laughs) starts to Yeah, that adds up. Yeah. That adds up. Hey, David, I want to end it with this. Do you have a favorite memory that you could share with us about seeing something really extraordinary in our night sky near Las Vegas? Not so much Las Vegas. My my better memories or or the the things I remember the best were when I was a very young astronomer. Where'd you grow up? I grew up on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And back in, I believe it was 1966, uh, the comet Ikea Seki came passing by. And it was one of these comets that was called the Sun Grazer. It's actually a family of comets that uh, one of them periodically comes down and it grazes the sun. It goes very, very close. And so one morning about 4 a.m., something like that, my parents get the family up. And we go down there and get out on the beach and saw this comet in the morning sky with the head of the comet to the east and this tail that stretched across the entire sky and just lit up like nobody's business. And that's what really kind of sparked my curiosity into astronomy. And I've been waiting for another one of those comets to come by ever since. That that sounds remarkable. And now I'm going to ask uh, a dangerous question. Are there any misadventures that have been caused because of Las Vegas that stick out in your mind as being a frustration? Well, it attracts a lot of airplanes, and when an mm. airplane flies through my picture, it, it is in of itself kind of an interesting picture, but it kind of ruins the shot, especially if it's been you know sitting there taking a two-minute two photograph and a plane flies through it. Yeah, not exactly what you bargained for. Well, David, it's been an absolute pleasure talking about the, uh, the skies in and around Las Vegas with you, and I wish you and all your fellow stargazers luck in, uh, I guess, shots without planes and nights without <laughs> humidity. David, thanks so much for joining us on CityCast Las Vegas. All right. Thank you. Before you go, here's a little more Vegas news. State lawmakers will consider a bill that targets animal abusers. If approved, it would increase penalties for hurting animals and put abusers on a registry that would prevent them from owning or living with pets. Also, it looks like the Raiders have a new quarterback. The team has reportedly selected Jimmy Garoppolo. He's a free agent after a stint with the San Francisco 49ers. The move reunites him with head coach Josh McDaniels, Both of them used to be with the Patriots. Here's your fun facts. Football fun facts. (laughs)
That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend. Sharing is caring, y'all. Then rate the show, leave us a review, five stars please, and subscribe to our amazing daily newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Take care. Now all I hear is, yeah, magic school bus. Um, <laughs>